Hello and welcome to Intune, the Scottish Music Centre's series of podcasts. My name is Keith Beattie and today I'm delighted to be joined with Stuart Braithwaite from Mogwai. How are you Stuart? Mm. Very well, thanks. How are you? Magic, I'm fine. Aye, great. Are you coping okay with this? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine, to be honest. I mean, I'd quite like to go and see my mum, but apart from that, <laughs> apart from that, and I wouldn't mind uh, going on a away somewhere but I mean to be honest I spend a lot of time indoors anyway so and I can still do quite a lot of work from home so I think I'm in quite a lucky position compared to a lot of people. So see going back to like when you, when you sort of first were involved in music like what was the sort of thing that drove you into music rather than anything else that was a, an obvious choice for you? To be honest I, I, I think I was quite lucky my, my parents always just let me do whatever I wanted they were never really pushy or anything like that and just from when I was a young teenager, through to being um, when we would have started the band, when I would have been 18 or whatever, it was just what I was doing. So I, I never really thought of it as having any kind of choice or, well, I'll decide to do this. It was just it was just what I was doing. And then thankfully um, and luckily, um, people liked the music that, that I've been involved in. So I think it was it, it's just always been a passion of mine since I was really, really young. Yeah. And was that the, was Mogby the first band you were in? I was in another band when I was at college called Dead Cat Motorbike, um, which was more kind of, it was, it was more punky, I suppose. Um, but yeah, the drummer moved to Australia. So that, 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 that was, that was the first band I was in. And that was, I was in that band where I met a lot of people that were really kind of pivotal to Mogwai people like um, Alex from Franz Ferdinand, who used to book the bands at the 13th Note and mm-hmm. Kenny and the guys from Eska, I think Dead Cat Motorbike played with Eska and Kenny now does sound for Mogwai and I played drums in that band Eska. So so yeah, that, that was the first band. We never made a, a record or anything like that, but we played played around all kind of local places. I never knew you played drums either. That's interesting. Um and I kinda of play drums. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not exactly John Bonham. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you signed, did you, when you set up the band with Mogwai, then did you sign to Chemical quite shortly after that? Um, that? No, it took, it, it took a wee while actually. Like we put our first single out ourselves, which is Rock Action Records number one. I mean, back then, all the bands in our kind of peer group, bands like um, Yummy Far and Biss and Yurisai Yatsura, everyone put out their own records. There wasn't really much interest from London. Um, in Glasgow, so yeah. that 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 was just what everyone did. So so yeah, we, we put our own our own first single, and um, it got played on John Peel and uh, the Peter Easton show in Radio Scotland. So I had a, bit, a wee bit of support, and um, some other people asked us to do just seven inches. Then mm-hmm. after that, um, but we actually ended up recording with with Paul Savage from Delgados, who's one of the owners at Chemical Underground, and uh, became quite good friends with Paul. And I guess when he realised we were at the stage of maybe wanting someone to put an album out, I mean, there was no way we could put an album out ourselves. A, we wouldn't have known what we were doing, and B, we we wouldn't have had the money. I mean, even, we were just wee guys, stay at our parents, you know? (laughs) Like, even the money to make our first record, then we got the recording time. Martin's parents gave him some money for his birthday, and uh, to make the records, my sister's boyfriend, um, Jared, uh, he got a payout from 
a job he left, or I can't actually remember. And so <laughs> someone had given him some money, and he he lent us four hundred quid. So yeah, we were really, we definitely were in a position to put our own albums out at that point. That's amazing. And, and this, uh, I remember being in Savah when I was probably at uni or college and, and you were in recording at the same time in the big room. I don't know what yeah. album it would have been, maybe the third album or second album. Uh, 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 we, we, we recorded, we started recording the second album in Savah, so it might have been then. Was it in the 90s? Was it 98? Uh, might have been, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we started recording our second album in uh, Savah. Um, and some of that ended up in the album. We actually ended up doing most of it in America. Right. Um, it was a great studio, it was a shame. Uh, that's, that's that was amazing. amazing. And the, the sound was, it wasn't that, I mean, I still think of you guys as a sort of almost pioneers of that sound. Like I, don't, I don't remember any bands that predated what you were doing at that time, the sort of post-rock that sound. I mean, we were really influenced by the bands. There was bands around at the time that we were really influenced by, like Tortoise, yeah. um, Le Bradford, and there was a lot of bands from before that were kind of, had become unfashionable. Mm-hmm. we were really into like my bloody valentine and sonic youth i mean you would say to someone now that sonic youth were unfashionable and they think it was crazy but <laughs> just really into um kind of brit pop and not that that kind of music so yeah. um yeah i can definitely see it's a bit complicated what you said but i can definitely hear i can hear where we got our, our music from i For suppose sure. that that's, that's the thing with i mean not it's about a cliche but nothing's truly original mm-hmm. It's just how you interpret what other people have done. When I think of sort of the post rock and, and including also including you, the part people always think it's quite a strange thing to say, but I kind of draw the line to a lot of classical music. Even though I don't listen to a lot of classical music, I always draw the line to it because it's it's got the same dynamics, obviously, in the same. It's not verse chorus. It's often like a like a movement. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 definitely a fair weather classical fan, but. Um, <laughs> I remember when we did our very first Peel session, the guy who recorded is this brilliant guy called Mitty. Um, he, I mean, he obviously was just a BBC engineer, so he recorded everything. I remember him saying that our music really reminded him of Mahler. And we were just yeah. wee guys. I think we were like, who's that? <laughs> who's that? Like, <laughs> How many albums has he put out? <laughs> who's he signed to? <laughs> I um, and so what's your within the band what is the process like do you write something take it to the rest of the guys or does somebody like bring stuff together and you all work together or? I mean we, we all we all write music I mean mm. Martin writes all the drums but um, me Dominic and Barry all, all write music and these days I guess um, with computers and everything we tend to kind of write at home and then send it to each other we're in that process just now actually we were meant to be recording we we're meant to have finished um, recording in America um, but we've obviously had to change the plans and that's that's what we're at just now just sending demos around to each other and everyone kind of playing playing on each other's demos and, and then hopefully once we're, we're allowed out in a few weeks we'll um, we'll get together and rehearse and we're planning to record in the end of the summer so, so yeah it's funny how we're, how we're doing things is probably now how every band is doing things yeah. so I'm sure that Barry lives in Berlin so we can't just meet up to rehearse every day. I mean, we actually do. The, the other three of us do meet up and rehearse quite a lot. It's not it's not like a trad, like get in a room, write some songs. We kind of had to kind of work our own way of doing things. And yeah, I think yeah. The, the pandemic's probably kind of forced everyone to have to work like that. For sure. I guess you guys have known each other for so long now as well that you know how each other works, you know the best way to work with each other. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, yeah, yeah, and we don't we don't have um, particularly fragile egos or anything. You know, we kind of we all just batter in and we just make the music as ours. It's yeah. not like it's not like Queen. You hear these stories about Queen all having these competitions <laughs> with each other. For, <laughs> it's like you know, I can't even handle how how mental that sounds. So so no, it's it, it, it's pretty socialist the way we do things. I think another thing from from seeing you a few times is that I've always noticed is the sheer volume. People always mention it in ferocity live. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've always ex- described it as like, it gets to a level and then you think it's not going to get any louder and it just creeps up that little bit. Louder. <laughs> and then you think, right, I can handle this level. And then it creeps again. And you're like, is that something like it's, it was in the plan for the band to have that, that feeling or it's just organically happened for you? Um, no, we always wanted to be really loud. There was a few bands we liked that were really loud. My Bloody Valentine sure. was one. I saw Sonic Boom from Space Man 3 when I was really young and it was dead loud and it kind of was quite um, a formative experience. So, yeah, we, we always wanted to, to be really, really quite loud. It's kind of weird as well because actually I like loud concerts, but generally I can't really handle loud music like if I'm over. <laughs> I, I often I'll go to someone's house and they'll have a record on. I'll be like, you need to turn that down a bit, and they'll be like, <laughs> and I'm winding them up. But yeah, oh, maybe, maybe I'm an egomaniac, but I'm fine if it's me. <laughs> so the other thing is that I find is brilliant is, and I know I'm not alone in this. When you when you get a Mogwai album, the first thing I often do is look for the track titles, and I do the same with Twilight Sad since since their debut album. I thought the way they titled their debut album was outstanding. Um, and your track titles are always there's always some absolute belters in there. Like, is that something you just work together, or do you just go? I want to call it this, or is it file names, or how does that come about? Yeah, we just. I mean, it's mostly nonsense, and we'll just <laughs> not even just nonsense, just things we'll see, like, and then we'll write it down. I mean, it, we just put a soundtrack, and it had a lot of songs on it, and they were all pretty random, and we were also kind of keeping ones for the proper album, so ended up with a lot of really random song titles. But I guess, I guess. I, I, I guess our music's very serious, so it's a way of kind of trying to desperately stop trying to seem pretentious. Yep. I don't know if we're desperately managing that or not, but yeah, that's probably probably a bit of the plan. And so when was the change? Like, how did you manage to, not even so much a change, but when did, I remember the Zidane soundtrack, was that the first that led into the rest, or how did it happen for the the soundtrack stuff that you've been doing over the last while? Um well, almost at the same time, two things happened at the same time. We got asked to do the music for Zidane and also um, Clint Mansell, the composer. I'd read an interview that he wanted his soundtrack that he was writing at that time to sound like Mogwai or Sigur Ross. And I just got wow. his contact and I was like, well, we'll, we'll play on it. Because I was a big <laughs> fan of his, a really big fan of the director, Dan Arnofsky. And I was like, we'll, we'll play on it. And um, we met up and... We agreed, and, and and I think that those two things, one, Zidane showing that we could do it, could go in a studio and make an hour and a half's worth of music and hand it in, and because, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of the, the basic reason that people are reticent to hire new composers is can, can they deliver? So I, I think the fact we did that, and we also had the experience working with Clint, which was obviously a real kind of big-budget movie and kind of seeing how that works, which is honestly about as different from making a normal album as you could get it's a really specific process mm-hmm. there's a lot of people involved um yeah. some very specific instructions Aye. and sometimes the instructions 
are not easy to understand because it's film right. people rather than music people. So sure. I, I, I think that those experiences kind of set us up. And yeah, since then, we've kind of regularly been asked to do things, which has been good. Mm -hmm. Definitely a really nice change from just album tour, album tour. Totally. And it's good. It's often quite good. The stuff with the, the French, the return, the stuff from that. I hadn't known that it was used until sort of halfway through. And I remember sitting and saying, oh, that sounds like Mogwai. And then checking and being delighted to find out it was. It's like, mm. it was a beautiful tone. It set the tone really well for that whole series. Yeah, um, that, one, that, that one went really well, mm -hmm. which was, was really good. And I think actually the music in that, I don't know if it sounds egotistical, but a lot of music I've heard since has been quite kind of influenced by that. And the label, the, the rock action stuff, how has that... Um, so you, I didn't realise you'd put out the first seven inch on, on rock action, is that right then? Yeah. Yeah, and that sort of predated. I didn't realise that. So, is that something you always wanted to do? Is have your own label? I mean, at the very start, it was a necessity mm -hmm. because no one else was going to do it. <laughs> and then um, I'm trying to think. When we signed after we were we did two albums with Chemical Underground, then we signed with PS Records, played mm -hmm. again against Sam Records, and they kind of one of the things to kind of court us was, was like, "Oh, we'll we'll run your label for you," right? And it. It didn't, I think they just put one, seven, they didn't do an awful lot, to be honest, mm -hmm. but it kind of got it in our mind. Well, we can put bands out as well and like really passionate about music and very involved in the music scene. And we um, we ended up working with a couple of bands, Park Chimp from London, right. Errors from up here. And it's just kind of steadily grown. Like we've got a few people that work at the label and really good people. So it's just kind of grown and grown and to the point where yeah, there's probably quite a lot of people that don't even know that that's our label now, that mm -hmm. just see that label um, in its own right, which is which is great, you know, like, I think get, we, we signed the Twilight Sad a couple of years ago and, like, we got the, their album went in the top 20, which yeah. was just absolutely amazing. And, um, yeah, so it, it's kind of it's kind of grown and grown. We put out Sacred Paws, that won the Scottish Album of the Year. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had a few things that have, have went down really, really, really well. I mean, we're still learning. I think it's the kind of thing you never kind of master, especially since the the music industry's changing all the time. It's um, unrecognisable from what it was when we were making 507 inches, you know, and sending them, posting them to John Peel, you know, like that, <laughs> seem, that seems like steam, train, steam trains and telegrams now. You know, For sure. Things, things, things have, have, have moved along so much, but... Yeah, it's something I'm really, really proud of and I really enjoy. I was actually delighted to see Twilight Sad signed that label. I sort of feel as if we might have always belonged there, if, you, if that makes any sense. Like, Oh, well, I mean, James literally works for it. <laughs> <laughs> too busy these days, but for for um, for the last few years, he's, he's, he's worked in the office, so I definitely belong there. Mm -hmm. 95. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how have you seen that? You were talking about the change through the years. Like, is there something you've noticed? Like, um, I know obviously vinyl seems to be on a little bit of a resurgence, but like, is it, have the campaigns changed? Are you involved in a day-to-day -day of that, like doing the campaigns for, for albums and singles? Um, I'm involved. I wouldn't, I wouldn't stretch the day-to-day, -day, but I'm, de I'm definitely involved. Um, yeah, I, I, I think just the, the kind of the way that online culture has has taken over is a huge difference. I mean, I remember like it was all people would do print ads, print ads in the NME or print ads in 
whatever, the Guardian, the Herald or whatever, and that that's how you got to people. That's just stopped, you know? I mean, I think I, I think the music industry's got a lot of challenges. I think journalism's probably got even more cha- challenges than the than, than music does. So it's just get different ways of getting the music out to people. There's kind of and one of the one of the most frustrating things is one of the best ways to get to people is getting on big playlists and and no one really has control over that. That's kind of quite hope for the best, to be totally honest. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there, there are ways to do it. I mean, if you are an artist and you encourage your fans to put you on their playlists, mm-hmm. then you're right. The kind of algorithm. I'm told this is what I'm told will kind of kick in and there'll be a much better chance of getting on the editorial playlist. But yeah, so so there's there's different things. But I mean, that's not that's that's just a different way of things happening. And and even though there's negatives and that people pay less for music, there's a lot of positives in that more people are have access to music. So I mean, I think that there's there's um yeah there's pros and cons and everything. Mm-hmm. And and the way they kind of know that it's helping right now but the way the live industries kind of mm. picked up the slack for um the ways that the recording industries are struggling sure. has has been really helpful for bands that that have a kind of good live following and are happy to go out and play a lot of shows mm-hmm. you can you can do well i think right. it's just um working out how you can kind of fit in the kind of the new kind of ecosystem and sure. seeing how you can make it work for you i think lastly like one of the things like when you're on tour like obviously you've been a skater is that something you use to unwind do you get out in the on the granite when you're out there i, I do i always get mm-hmm. a kind of a bit of a side eye from the rest of the band because they're kind of thinking i might break my arm but thankfully <laughs> i've never done that yeah i mean to be honest are you the best is if you're playing a kind of one of these art centers and there's a kind of like wee car parky bit out the back something oh. like that you know I tend not to do anything that's going to be too risky to yeah. the gig happening, but yeah, I always like to go out for a wee roll about. You've always got a board down in your flight case. I usually do. I. Yeah. Any prized belters? Any great boards you're proud of? You've got. I've got. I've got. I've got. Uh, well, it's not an, obviously an original, but I've got a nice Sandy Warhol board. We're, actually, we've wow. we made um, in conjunction with the skate shop in Edinburgh Focus. We made some mobile boards. So I'm quite fond of them. Yeah, uh, I see the ones in Hugging a Pine. Is that the ones in Hugging a Pine? Yeah, because yeah, the launch party for it was in there. They kept uh, them off from the wall, that's right. Yeah. Uh, cool. cool. Listen, Stuart, thanks so much for speaking to me today. That was outstanding. Great chat. No problem. My pleasure.